For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Charles, you are the wind beneath my wings. Oh, thank you, darling. Thank you. I am not the technical one here. I know. I freely admit that. You know, we come up with these ideas and you make them happen. Hmm. Like, how did this come about? Believe it or not, it's all because of Anchor. Anchor has the tools. It lets me record, edit, and distribute right from the computer. Sometimes I do it from my phone. It's just as easy either way. Wow. Yeah. We're on like dozens of platforms, though. It's true. Anchor makes it easy to distribute our podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens more. It's everything we need, and it's all in one place. And you'll love this part. It's all completely free. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Right? I use Anchor for pretty much every aspect of getting our show out there and into the listeners' ears. That's amazing. It is. And if you, dear listeners, want to get into the podcasting game, you just need to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Maybe Anchor's the wind beneath my wings. Hey! In this episode, we talk about Lil Nas X is a queer icon in Nigeria. Just like everywhere else. Josh Hawley is selling his manhood. How about that lip sync, though? Who we are, and my name is Polly Murray, should be required viewing for all Americans. And Charles is completely wrong about the lip sync. Welcome to Full Circle, the podcast. Come 
Coming to you from the dining room table at East Barbary Lane, welcome to another edition of Full Circle, the podcast. A weekly visit to our home where we squeeze a few headlines through our decidedly queer lens and see what happens. This episode is brought to you by Decanted Jug Wine and learning to crochet after three full glasses of it. I am your host, Charles Tyson Jr. And I'm your host, Martha Madrigal. Welcome to the Full Circle Table. So God bless my friend Barbara, who came over for a visit and and a sit on the front porch. And I had mentioned, because she crochets, Mm -hmm. that I really want to learn. My, My grandmother crocheted. My grandmother, like, tatted. My grandmother crocheted lace. Like mm-hmm. she did it with really fine needles and and floss and did it like around the edges of hankies and napkins and tablecloths and all that stuff. Yes. My father like crocheted with yarn. And it's something I think he had always known how to do. He had made a couple beautiful afghans back in the day that, you know, we still have. Yes. And then he started making the the you know the tea towels that I hang on the stove. Yes, that it's like half a towel with a little crocheted handle. I love those. Yeah, he started. He was a crossing guard. He was a retired carpenter and, and a crossing guard, and he started to crochet like in the car while he would wait for the kids um, to help with his arthritis. Oh, okay, and keep his fingers moving and his dexterity and all that. Um, so we have a lot of examples of his work, but I just, I never learned. I, I can make a chain, one single chain. <laughs> I can make a really long chain, but that's like, I don't know what to do with that after the chain is made. So she brought some yarn and some needles to play with, but by the time we did, right? Um, yeah, I had had like three glasses of wine on the porch and I was fun it was <laughs> kind of funny and i i did remember today um some of what she taught me and so i'm badly connecting my chain to some version of the stitches she tried to teach me last night that's a i'll get there i never learned how to crochet either i did learn how to make at least a medium-sized chain but enough about my 20s and in that case too there was a lot of trying to find the hole shut up (laughs) stop right there stop right there so um now that i guess we we've started the episode now is a good time to uh get the business out of the way cool um you mentioned our friend Barbara. She is our newest Patreon patron. Thanks, Barbara. Yeah. Uh, you can join our patrons on patreon.com slash full circle the pod. Starting at just the $6 level, you can have access to ad free episodes before everyone else. And it only gets better from there. Uh, rate and subscribe us wherever you listen to your podcast. Five stars and more, please. Thank you. And check out all our social media on our link tree, link tree slash full circle the pod. Okay, business over. Cool. And pay, Patreons, so we're going to have some special content coming up, right? We are. We've got some collaborations and things. I love on. collaboration. Yeah, we're going to be uh, chatting with our, our pals, Nicole and Tessa, over at doom generation podcast we're going to do our uh, 
Fierce Bitches Happy Hour. Yeah, the last one was really fabulous, and yes. no, no one was recording, so, you know. Yeah, we decided to make it a thing. Fun and, uh, and mayhem will ensue. Yes, our And then they go on to record an episode. Right. <laughs> silly, silly women. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun, so make sure you join us over at Patreon to take advantage of that. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> Hi. Hello. <laughs> it's been a week. It has been a week. It's been a week. Um, a couple of sad moments in the news. Uh, rest in peace to uh, Mary Alice and Nichelle Nichols, who passed away this past week. Uh, Mary Alice, she died on the 27th at uh, the age of 85. Mm-hmm. She was known for so many powerful roles and and moments in pop culture she uh, originated the role of rose in august wilson's fences and uh won the tony for that role opposite james earl jones uh she was letty bostick on different world Mm -hmm. and that was one of our my favorite characters um i first found out who she was when she was the mother in the movie beat street Okay. Yes. When <laughs> when her oldest son, the DJ, Double K, he came to the to the breakfast table all tired, and he said, "You know, why I gotta eat oatmeal when all I feel is tired for real? My rhymes too slick, my tongue too quick, Galantown like a magic trick." And then she said, "Eat your eggs before I break your legs." Now you know where your gallant talent came from. <laughs> <laughs> that was my part. Um, that's fun she was the oracle in 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 the matrix revolutions like she's been a pivotal point in a lot of moments in film and television and she's been out there pretty much my whole life being fabulous and then today we got the news that uh nichelle nichols passed away at the age of 89 uh nichelle nichols is obviously uh most famous for her role, her groundbreaking role as Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek. Yeah. And uh, that was, she, right there, that is a moment in black history. <laughs> you know, I, I never knew, and you told me this morning, mm-hmm. uh, well, this afternoon, that, um, you know, she was a Broadway actress, actually, who had, who had you know, Gene Roddenberry had cast in Star Trek. And she considered leaving after the first season. And uh, she was at an NAACP banquet. Mm -hmm. And someone said, there's a fan that wants to talk to you. And she said, okay. And then (laughs) she looked up and she said, but that fan was going to have to wait (laughs) because Dr. Martin Luther King came walking across the room to me. Right. And he said, I am the fan. I am your biggest fan. You know, and your show is the only one we... uh, Coretta and I let our girls stay up to watch. Yep. And you can't quit. Right. Yeah. And uh, what a what an interesting moment. You know, right. he really laid out just how groundbreaking the role was. And he said they could fill it with anyone, you know, but um, this, is, this is something. This is important. This is as important as what I do in, in terms of, of breaking ground and, and representation. Indeed. And uh, when she went back to Gene Roddenberry the next day, her, he uh, opened a drawer and pulled out her 
resignation letter that he'd already torn up. And you're like, she'll be back. And, gave, and he gave it back to her. Yeah. So I thought that was really, that was really something that, you know, he played a pivotal role. Dr. King paid, played a pivotal role on her staying on Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. Well, Gene Roddenberry, one of the reasons why he cast her was because, you know, the show takes place in the, in the future and he didn't want to see a future depicted on television where there weren't any black people. Right. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, how amazing. Yeah. So uh, rest in power, Nichelle Nichols and Mary Alice. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like I'm at a point in my life where uh, people that I've been aware of and looked up to and enjoyed their work literally my entire life mm-hmm. are starting to leave us. Yeah. You know? crazy i you know it's it's not something new for me only because you know my mother raised me on all the old movies from the 30s and 40s right when she was a child you know and she loved to rewatch all those old movies and all those old all the black and white films and all the musicals and busby berkeley and all that stuff right and um so you know those people like the people that i was raised watch it have been dying since i was little right well yeah <laughs> so it's like okay yeah so but it's been interesting because being in a multi-generational house right you know my grandmother was here my mother was here um and you know my mother was 35 by the time i was born um and then my you know my siblings were 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 teenagers of the 60s so you know i had all of those generations and their music and their, right. their uh, icons and their movies um, behind me right i mean same it, <clears throat> it was the same growing up for me but it's one thing when the celebrities that were like yeah the old kind of old when you got there yeah you know it's still sad to when they go but it's like my entire life the one right the ones that yeah <laughs> And the, and it is it's happening more and more you know yeah. like the stuff that I grew up on in the seventies and eighties the contemporary stuff first of all they're calling my music of the eighties oldies now which oh I let's not deeply even deeply offended by because I remember the first time <laughs> I mean I guess it is right the first time I was listening to the oldie station and said and here's one by Madonna and I'm like it's fucking excuse me yeah <laughs> well. And I thought about it one day because it was the early 80s. I, I want to say it was the early 80s when WOGL became a thing. Right. Like, um, the oldies. Oldies ra- 98. The radio station here in, in Philadelphia. And so at that point in the early 80s, I'm listening to the music of the late 50s. Right. Which is what I also associate with oldies. So that music was only about 25 years old. Right. The music from the early 80s. Oh, shit. That is, is 40, 25 years old. Is 40 years old. Now, yeah. <laughs> right? My, I'm doing the math right, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you're, it just occurred to me. It's 40 years old. At the same time, <clears throat> you're listening to the oldie station in the 80s. I am also. And it just didn't you're occur just to little. me. You're just little. You were a little kid and I was, I was driving. But it didn't occur to me. Yeah, that was only 25 years ago. No, no, no. That was... 25 years old it was 40 years ago no in the 80s when we were listening to the that was 40 years right the music at the time right that old music was only 25 years old right that's what i'm saying yeah shit yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> the stuff I was listening to in the early 80s is now 40 years old. Yeah, I know. So I guess when you look at it that way, my shit's oldies. But and it like, does not make me happy. Because really, that would have been, we would have been listening, you know, in the early 80s, we been, would have been listening to stuff from the early 40s. Right. Comparatively speaking, which right. my mother would have preferred, comparatively speaking, because it was my aunt who was still with us in '83. She graduated high school in 1957, so right at the height of you know all of that. And then she, you know, she of course loved the oldie station because that was her music. But it was only 25 years old when we were listening to the oldies. Jesus Christ! So. In fairness, the music of the 1980s is the oldies now. It doesn't make me happy. No, because that means that my heyday of college music, which was the 90s. It's, that's oldies too. That's 30 years, 30 years old. That, that music is 30 years old. That music is older today than that 50s rock and roll was for us in the early 1980s. When, when we, I don't like it. <laughs> This is why I I hate math. This right here. I know why you hate math. (laughs) Believe me, I know why. Ew. Yeah, right? Right? Imagine. Imagine. And, and, you know, of course, the music of the late 50s was so different from the music of the early 40s, right? So that, that, you know, wartime stuff. Well, you were encouraged to move your pelvis. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it really was. Of course, the influence of, of you know, black music cannot be uh, overstated. Exactly. Cannot be. Um, in the music that came about and brought us the, the rock and roll of the 60s and, and Motown and just all of it. But yeah, yeah, my stuff, my stuff from the 80s is ancient now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making peace with it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. <laughs> I, and I don't like it either. Uh, let's 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 find some good news to talk about, shall we? Okay. Okay. So here's a, a n- <laughs> now that we feel old. Exactly. <laughs> let's talk about a child, Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X. <laughs> yes, who was not alive while my music was being. All right, you stop it right now. (laughs) You stop it right now. Gladly. (laughs) Go ahead. So, (laughs) Jesus Christ. So Lil Nas X, who is uh, one of our favorite little rappers. Oh, he's delicious. And and social media trolls. Extraordinaire. (laughs) He really is. He really is. He's also become... A uh, queer icon in Nigeria, of all places. Why not? Well, you know, in Nigeria, in unfortunately a lot of uh, African cultures, but Nigeria especially, you know, it's very, very, very looked down upon to be anything other than heterosexual and masculine and yeah, that like basically femininity is undesirable in all its fashions because lord knows look how they treat women too but yeah um lil nas x a lot of a lot of uh social media uh influencers and musicians uh coming up in nigeria cite lil nas x as a person they can look to in terms of like 
not being afraid of expressing yourself and and expressing your your queerness or your femininity. Uh, unfortunately, a lot for for these people, they are uh, exceptions to the rule because they have such uh, social status and and fame in their own right that makes them a little untouchable in terms of like violence. Okay, you know, like, but. At the same time, they are also there as an example for other people to look up to. And hopefully, like, the culture will shift to where you can at least walk down the street expressing yourself however you want without having to worry about getting yelled at or beaten. Which, you know, is something we're hoping for in America in I know, 2022. Right? So, hey. But yeah, Lil Nas X is a, he's a, a beacon. <laughs> Let's not suggest that African nations are backward. When Ares keeps doing the shit they keep doing. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So this is fun. There was an article in the Washington Post uh, on July 27th that said a record number of trans and non-binary people are running for office. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 2017, former journalist Danica Rome made history when she was elected to the Virginia House of Delegates, making her the first out trans state legislator in the United States. Uh, but Rome was a part of a bigger, if still relatively small, wave of trans candidates. Right. At least 20 in all. Uh, enough for the Victory Fund to uh, dub 2017 the year of the trans candidate. Five years later, a record number of trans and non-binary candidates are vying for public office. Nice. Uh, again, According to the Victory Fund, as of July, there are 55 trans candidates running for office Work. alongside 20 gender nonconforming candidates, 18 non-binary candidates and four two spirit candidates. Yes. Yeah. It comes at a precarious time for our rights in the United States uh, across the country, state houses, an unprecedented number of anti LGBTQ measures have been introduced. Most bills aimed at curbing the rights of trans children and their families. Yep. Yeah, and we keep saying, you know, run. If you've ever been inclined, run. Run for office. You know, visibility matters. Vis visibility helps. And it's happening. And, yeah. you know, while while we know that they are all, not all winning, you know, it is becoming, becoming more commonplace. Yeah. And uh, I wish them so well. And you said it yourself that diversity and inclusion changes the conversation. Yeah, the, absolutely. And so, you know, we see that most of these candidates are setting their sights on the state legislatures where most of these policies are being introduced. Um, among the candidates broadly, the majority, which is 41%, uh, are running for state office. Um yeah, so it's cool. It goes on. The article goes on to talk about specific candidates, you know, and a lot of them are running in their home states because of, you know, they got involved with specific pieces of legislation. They've either, either gone and testified, nice. um, you know, or, or, or written about it or, you know, and, and rallied support uh, to not get these things passed, even though they're passing. Yeah, so great story about it. Yeah. I'm here to cheer them all on. Yeah, we change the conversation when we're actually a part of the conversation. Exactly. Go, y'all. Yeah. Good stuff. Wonderful stuff. 
Oh, this next one's just sad. <laughs> no, it's not. Apparently, Clarence Thomas will not be teaching at uh, George Washington University Law School this fall. Yeah, isn't that a shame? No, it's not a shame. <laughs> yeah, the students were like, um, we're good. We don't yep. need no, him thank you. here. Like, and it was damn near unanimous. Like, no. <laughs> you know, if he's here, we ain't taking the class. <laughs> at a different point in history with a different justice i might be saying um you know we le- we we need to listen to the folks who don't agree with us we need to listen particularly where the law is concerned to others who interpret the law differently yes um you know i, I might be suggesting that there would be value if this was another justice but not this one right if, I, I can't muster any of that for this one right if times were normal yeah, uh, all I can say is good and good for the students. Right, because there's a difference That's between, and this is the thing that pisses me off when people are like, you know, you should be able to have a civil conversation with people just because they don't agree with you and your political views. We should still be able to agree. Yeah, there's a difference between having a have a difference in opinion and one side actively rallying against the rights of the other side or the right to exist of the other side. That is not an argument. There is no argument there. There's no debate. Right. And I, you know, I just want to make it clear. It's not just Clarence Thomas. I would feel exactly the same way if this was Brett Kavanaugh. Yep. If this was Amy Coney Barrett. Yep. If this was Neil Gorsuch. Uh-huh. Um, and especially if this was Sam Alito. Ding, ding, ding. Um, you know, and because Sam Alito, I think, most closely uh, mirrors the the absolute lunacy of of Thomas's take on the Constitution, he continues to burn. Right. Um, but yeah, any of them, any of them, their their legitimacy is is you know to to be kind. It's suspect. Right. And um, yeah, I don't want them teaching law. I don't. I, yeah. If this is what you do with it, fuck you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because you're not talk. You're not teaching the law anymore. You're teaching politics. Right. You know, based on what you do, your your decisions. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC are so political at this point as to, you know, really disgrace the court. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, that is not a thing you will hear me say about Clarence Thomas or any of the aforementioned justices. I don't think any of them should be teaching anything, you know, except how to uh, further a political agenda because that's all they're doing. Right. Indeed. Moving on.
So the Michigan Supreme Court uh, has ruled that anti-LGBTQ discrimination is illegal. Uh, this is a historic victory. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. Uh, they have ruled that businesses, landlords, and others cannot discriminate based on sexual orientation or gender identity, even though the state's civil rights legislation doesn't specifically mention those categories. Uh, the Landmark 5-2 decision establishes that the bans on discrimination on the basis of sex in the state's 1976 Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act mm. cover now sexual orientation and gender identity wonderful um yeah it took a bit of time to get to this decision um there was a bill introduced by the democrats in 2015 uh to add specific protections uh those bills were blocked by republicans of course uh the supreme court had declined to hear an appeal from uh fair and equal michigan to have the law revised in 2021 However, writing for the majority this week, and I'll tell you how we got here, Justice Elizabeth Clement, a Republican, said discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation necessarily constitutes discrimination because of sex. Well. Um, yeah, yeah. This is great. And, you know, it's, it, it ensures that civil rights law can't be used as a tool of discrimination. Right. Right. Uh, the Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel uh, argued before the court in March with the ACLU, uh, citing uh, the 2020 SCOTUS ruling in Bostock v. Clayton County, uh, which did affirm that Title IX's ban on employment discrimination uh, due to sex also protects queer people. The case before the Supreme Court involved two Michigan businesses. Okay. They tried it. <laughs> they refused to serve LGBTQ people. One was Roush World, a wedding venue that refused to host weddings for same-sex couples. The other one, this is a head-scratcher for me, was Uprooted Electrolysis, a hair removal service that refused to serve a transgender client. That's just stupid. Yeah, it is. That's just bad business. We, we can bring you some of your best business thank you but yeah okay they tried it the michigan civil rights commission voted in 2018 to interpret the state's ban on discrimination on the basis of sex to include discrimination against lgbtq people following michigan department of civil rights investigations both of these businesses filed lawsuits claiming that serving us violated their religious freedoms so that's how we got here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was this uh, came up, they lost. The Michigan Court of Claims had ruled that the word sex uh, in the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act of 1976 encompasses gender identity and, you know, therefore orientation. This week's ruling established that that law covers discrimination against lesbian, gay, bisexual, and queer individuals as well as transgender people Yay. Uh, you know, for my money, this is exactly how these laws are supposed to be and should be interpreted. Yes. So I'm sure that all of our listeners in Michigan are, are a little happier right now. 
Uh, I'm still on the electrolysis clinic. It's like business must have been real good for you to be able to afford well, to leave that much money on the table just to fuck around. Yeah, they, apparently they only want to <laughs> deal with cis women. I don't know. Do men get electrolysis? I don't know. And they're like back hair and shit. I don't know. I don't know. But but you know, it's 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 a it's a lucrative business within the trans community. It is. Yeah, it is. And you know, my electrolysis, my what, is she an anesthetician? I don't know. Is a trans woman who, you know, I think that's probably 99% of her business yeah. is us. Right. And uh, she has a thriving business and she's terrific. And um, this this makes no sense. I mean, hair is hair for crying out loud. But okay. Um, but anyway, they fucked around and found out. Yeah, they did. In Michigan. Yes, so they this did. makes me happy. Me too. Yeah. Go ahead, Michigan. Oh, you got one more. I hate this man's name, but if it's good news, this is... Oh, yeah. I love this story. <laughs> okay, I just I just um, read the, the Matt Gates, that jackass. Yeah. Um, tried to insult a teenager's body. Yeah, specifically a queer teen activist. Yeah. Mocking her because she's yeah. pro-choice. Yeah, he attacked this teenager yeah she was 19 she's 19 years old uh-huh uh olivia juliana um and G- gates we should mention is under federal investigation for sex trafficking ding yes that part involving a minor uh-huh uh he made sexist and fat phobic comments about a pro-choice woman he said but why is it that the women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions nobody wants to impregnate you if you look like a thumb he said wow Wow. Yeah, he's such a such a thinker. Um <laughs> on Sunday, uh she wrote on Twitter again, Olivia Juliana. It's come to my attention that Matt Gates, alleged pedophile, has said that it's always the odious five to three hundred and fifty pound woman that nobody wants to impregnate who rally for abortion. I'm actually five eleven. 6'4 in heels. I wear them so the small men like you are reminded of your place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but what she went on to do, Uh she linked to uh, the fundraiser, and we can can add this link as well uh, to this episode, Gen Z for Choice Abortion Fund. And it is a youth-led organization that advocates for reproductive freedom. Uh, in honor of Matt Gates publicly bob- body shaming me, I'll be fundraising, uh, you know, for this abortion fund. She tweeted on Monday night. She has raised one point four million dollars so far this week. And the fun part about that number, one point four million dollars, is the exact <laughs> same number as the number of followers his ass has on Twitter. One one dollar for each of those motherfuckers. When she hit, when she hit the uh, one million mark, she sent Gates a thank you card that read, "How's that for dander raised? Get wrecked." Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, this is how this is how it's done. Yep. This is how we take this ugly, these brilliant young minds mm-hmm. take this ugly. Being fed to them and turn it into something positive. 
and make impact. It's beautiful. So, yes, go, Olivia, Juliana. Go ahead, girl. Go, girl. I'm here to celebrate you. You are wonderful and beautiful and fuck Matt Gates. Actually, no, don't. Ew. You don't. We're all too old for him. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's so, the other thing. He's like, so basically, you know, if he wanted to fuck her, would he have had something better to say? You know, him, or nothing? That whole conversation. He's that disgusting. whole narrative. He's disgusting. Uh, by that little Eddie Munster looking motherfucker. Thank you. You know, yeah. Um. So... Do we do we have a fifteen minute fave this week? So, um, I don't have a new one again this week, which is crazy considering all the music that I've been listening to. Okay, but I did once again go back into the fifteen minute faves playlist and pull out a good one for this week, and I'm dedicating it to Monet Exchange. We will get to that later. (laughs) So this week's 15 minute fave is a classic. It's Katy Perry featuring Nicki Minaj. Swish, swish. All right. We're going to swish on out to the break and we'll be right back, y'all. Yes. Your game is tired. You should retire. Your bad is cute as an old coupon expired. And karma's not a liar. She keeps receipts. So keep calm, honey. I'ma stick around for more than a minute. Get used to it. Funny, my name keeps coming at your mouth. And we are back. We're back. (sighs) It is time. For the cavalcade of nonsense. It is. Let's keep this train short. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, what the hell's going on at Sesame Place? And why are we talking about it again? Because <laughs> they ain't done. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, this makes my heart hurt. I know. So, in previous episode, we talked about a woman who posted video all over social media of a character at Sesame Place very blatantly and obviously high-fiving and interacting with uh, some of the the white people that were there, uh, adults and children, high-fives and daps and all this shit, and then very much ignoring little black girls yeah, um, who were in the same sight line as the little white children they were. High-fiving a moment ago. Just want to point that out. Yeah. And, you know... It's, it's all on video. Yeah. There's a couple of other videos uh, circulating of the same character doing similar behavior. Well, now there is a class action lawsuit. Because okay. a bunch of other families were like, you know what? This has happened to us. So now... Uh, there is a the Burns family lawsuit. 
because okay. they were the ones that uh, that filed filed suit. There's other characters that have been doing the same um, the same behavior, uh, including Ernie, which made Ernie. my heart. I know it's like what the hell, Ernie, not Ernie. You know, <sighs> so he's <I>, orange. <laughs> You'd think you'd think one of the gay ones would have a little bit of <laughs> I, I, you know. God. But the Burns lawsuit claims that Sesame Place entered into a contract with the family by selling them tickets to enter and then breached it by discriminating against a uh, little girl Kennedy because of her race. The theme park has said that it will respond to the claim through the established legal process and that it is committed to an inclusive environment, which means pay attention to our Instagram and not to the man behind the curtain and otherwise no comment. That's what I heard. <laughs> right. Your dog wants to wants you to pick him up. Oh good Christ. He, I tried. He wants he wants you. This damn dog. Yeah, he wants to be in the podcast. He's, he's upset about Sesame Place too. Yeah, I know, right? Of so, all the, of all the places, yes. Well, I I just hope this is just disheartening that people get what they deserve. Yeah, which is justice. And and I you know I I can only hope that the folks that run Sesame Place look hard at these videos and do some serious firing and or retraining or both. Right. Um. So this doesn't happen. Because it's it is unsettling when they you know when they're working through a crowd and they're really interacting with a bunch of white kids and then it's like yeah you're not here right and then they can that's it's so <sighs> everybody paid their money so unnerving you know it's like what the hell well right and it, everybody paid their money and these are kids right they're all kids which is the reason why you work there you're supposed to be there I... to create joy. And happiness for children. Yeah. Yeah. Not not single some of them out and, and overlook them. It's 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 disturbing to watch it the is. video of this. It really is because it's just so awful. Yeah. May everyone learn something from this. You know, it's so sad that it comes to this place. But, you know, they've, they've had some tone deaf response uh, through this. So this hopefully will get their attention. And it's a shame it comes to that, but I can't, I can't stomach seeing children sorted. In this. Right. I just can't stomach it's, it. It's disgusting and ridiculous and tired and late and it's 2022. Actually, you know what? I've decided I know I'm no longer going to say it's 2022. I'm going to yes. start saying that is such 20th century thinking. Mm, okay. <laughs> well, well. Cause yeah, I well, <laughs> we're not. It's it's a. This whole, is not where I imagined we would be. You know, this is. I thought I was gonna have a Jetsons car by now. George and, Jetson's birthday uh, is today. Is it really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. July thirty first, two thousand and twenty two. That's George Jetson's birthday. Uh huh. Wow. <laughs> so, uh. We got some catching up to do and shit. No kidding. No kidding. Ugh. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> the next headline's fun. Josh Hall. I don't know why this isn't in good news. Josh <laughs> Hawley's manhood is being mocked online because, oh, the irony. 
Yeah. That is what the headline says. Yeah. Um, so J- Senator Josh Harley of Hawley. What did I say? Harley. Yeah. Hawley. Fucking man. Republican from where? Missouri. <laughs> him. Yeah. Him. Um, so footage leaked uh, of him running out of the Capitol on January 6th mm-hmm. from the insurrectionists. Oh, wait, isn't this? They said it to Benny Hill. The music from Benny Hill. <laughs> Did they? Is this the one I see? Yes, I saw that. It was great. It was great. It was perfect. Even though there, there, there's that picture of him with his fist up on the way in, you know, uh-huh. rallying support of the, the, the Trumpers. Yes. So. And then he ran like the, hell. Exactly. Yeah. So he released a book or is releasing a book on it, masculinity. Called manhood, the, the masculine, masculine virtues, virtues Americans need. Get the fuck out of here! It, he, it argues that the left is waging a war on masculinity. Uh huh. Yeah. I wonder what he means by that. So, needless to say, everyone is having a good old time at his expense. And you know, I don't want to get into the whole thing about manhood because that. Borders very close on misogyny and homophobia. I'm not trying to do all that. All I'm going to say on the subject is, while there are many ways to be a man, mm-hmm. and I'm not here to say what is quote-unquote right or wrong, I'm pretty sure it doesn't include running away from a problem you help create. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Like, whatever being a man is or isn't, I know it ain't that. That I am sure of. Twitter never fails. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Senator Josh Hawley's manhood goes on sale next May. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And whatever they're charging, it's too much. (laughs) Our, Our research suggests that Trump appeals more to men who are secretly insecure about their manhood. Um, irony is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine someone walking up to a Barnes and Noble clerk and saying, I can't find Josh Hawley's manhood. Susan Collins acting betrayed is like Josh Hawley writing about manhood. (laughs) Get him. Amazon just announced that they will be listing Josh Hawley's book chronicling his masculinity and manhood under fiction. See? See? Imagine, imagine, if you will, the level of misplaced self-confidence it takes for Josh Hawley to think that calling his book manhood will go well for him. Yeah. Oh, God. It's, It's, read the room, baby. Read the motherfucking room. I'll bet Josh Hawley's manhood is a white sheet and has holes cut out for his eyes. (laughs) Well. (laughs) What Josh Hawley knows about manhood could be written on a post-it note. They should send a copy to Trump so he can officially own Josh Hawley's manhood. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As with all things Twitter, it just goes on and on. Yeah, and it's, it, there is a gold mine. 
attached to the whole thing. That's good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, y'all oh, did that. Let, let's move on to this one. And truly, for this week, this is the last car on this train, this cavalcade, because, you know, enough. But let's talk about this one. <sighs> this so, is, uh, yeah. Kenley, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, they hired a black town manager, a black woman. Uh-huh. And that she, is Jermaine here. Uh, yes. And she had the job for a little under two months before the entire police department uh-huh. quit. Yeah. Including the chief. Uh, citing a, quote, hostile work environment. Wow. Needless to say, the community is concerned about what the fuck that means. This is a town of uh, just over 1,500 residents. I just... What it means for the future of the town. Uh, Joy Wright, a local business owner... Uh, said that the community is concerned. She also said she was mostly frustrated because the town hadn't been keeping residents in the loop with any developments. It's just weird. And for us to not have any information as to what to expect, are we going to have police? Are we going to have a town manager? Hmm. That is so fucking childish and short-sighted and dangerous. Like, the fuck is y'all doing? Like the entire police force. Your job is, uh, if you are a police officer. Technically, they're still in the job through the beginning of next week. The police chief's resignation is effective Tuesday. If you are a police officer, your job is supposed to be devoid of personal feelings. I I would think. Well, your father was a cop. I Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can't. The whole police force quit. Like nobody. Well, this is you know, and and let's let's just put this in context. We're talking about eight people here. Um, Still, you just go and leave them hanging, and God forbid something happens that the police department should have been able to handle. Apparently, the police chief was written up multiple times. <laughs> Guys, telling Laura Ingram, of all people. Mm. Uh, she came in, first of all, to start giving us tasks and all these projects all the time. And unfortunately, we are. We only have five officers. And I was working double shifts at the time to try to keep up officer safety and be there with the officers in case something happened. Uh, He was written up for being late if he wasn't sitting at his desk, among other things. She wrote me up for going to businesses and talking with businesses. She wrote me up for talking with council members I've known for 20 years. CNN has not seen any of the disciplinary records referenced by this person and therefore cannot verify the write-ups. The town said it was unable to turn over any documents right now that were requested by CNN. Justine Jones started as Kenley's town manager on June 2nd. 
uh, according to an announcement from the town that notes she was unanimously approved by the council, touted for 16 years of experience working in progressively responsible positions with local governments in multiple states. Sitting and so for talking with business owners, does that mean like, you know, they she kept being seen, I don't know, sitting out on the cafe tables of a local coffee shop or restaurant for hours at a time instead of being out on on the job. And that was the problem. I don't know. Is that what we're calling sitting with business owners? Because I've, I've seen that play before. Residents seem split. Uh, Brittany. Hinant, a Kenley resident, said she feels like the situation is a race issue, given that Jones is black, while the entire Kenley Police Department is white. Uh, She also said she doesn't think the police department supports black people, and she feels they often harass black residents. Quote, I feel like they don't want a black woman over top of them, basically managing them or telling them what to do. Close quote. Right, because what I heard was, she keeps asking us to do stuff. Mm-hmm. She keeps asking us to work. And we don't like it. That's what I heard. Yeah, she's not commenting. I don't blame her. I mean, Others in the community, of course, say they believe there is not a racist component, racial component uh-huh. to the situation due to the fact that the previous town manager was a black man. Okay. And how long did he have the job? I I don't know. I'm reading. Some (laughs) residents also cautioned against jumping to conclusions, saying they've always had a good relationship with the police department. Another said she doesn't think it was a black versus white thing. I've never seen that being a problem. Probably a white woman. Um, I think there are too many jumping to conclusions. We really don't know what is going on. I have never met this town manager. I have never had any problems with the police, so I really don't know what dynamic could have led to these types of decisions. Yeah, okay. Uh, A woman who used to work for the town thought the situation was complicated. It's possible that race and gender played a role in the resignations, but issues of accountability are really at the center of the situation. She said, I have never had any personal problems with the police chief Gibson but as a former employee of the town I know how it works there I immediately knew this is someone new she doesn't know what I call them the off the book rules are basically when she came and got hired she poked the bear by making him accountable oh horrors How dare you make me look at myself and do work? The Johnson County Sheriff's Office, which already serves Kenley, will increase its presence in the town now that the police department will effectively disband. Uh, yeah. Did not get... She wasn't on the job very long at all. Nope. Not even two months. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they just weren't used to being told, like, what to do. Or that what they were doing wasn't good enough. You know... I have to wonder if they don't think that by walking out, they're going to leverage having this woman fired. I mean, that's what it looks like to me on the surface that, right. you know, who do you think you are telling us what to do? Oh, wait, you are our boss. But yeah, we don't we don't we don't cotton to that around here. I'm sure that's what it says. It's what it reads like. To I'm me. sure there's eight other people that can fill those spots quickly. Well, and that's more, what I said. I, I think this is a tremendous opportunity to uh, reimagine policing in Kenley, North Carolina. Right. I, you know, that like we used to used to be a thing. We don't negotiate with terrorists. And, you know, if you're just all going to walk out at one time, there's right. something to this. 
there's something, I mean, I don't know who this woman is. She could be the worst boss in the world, but I would think that there are other means of, of, uh, resolution that, you know, would include going to the town council or whatever, not just resigning. So it feels like a bully move to me anyway. Right. I guess, you know, we'll learn more probably in the coming weeks. We'll certainly follow up that story, but that's some shit, huh? Ain't that some shit. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. I uh, think they should all be replaced. Like, okay. Right. Bye. Right. And uh, let's see if the new police force has the same issues. (laughs) I guess we're going to see who means it. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough, right? I mean, sometimes... Well, there's that the adage a new broom sweeps clean. Yep. And uh who knows? Who knows? I guess we'll we'll hear a little bit more about who's right and who's wrong, but for all of them to resign at once and not give the black woman two months to do her job before doing so sounds fishy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So We'll keep up with that story. Let's take one more break and then come back and talk about pop culture. What say? Sure. We'll be right back. Yay. It's Tuesday. Or maybe it isn't, but Tuesday is about to be your favorite day of the week. You bet. She's Jenny. And she's Caitlin. We're teachers. We're moms. We're friends. And we're funny. I mean, I certainly think we are. We're here to teach you what we had to learn and maybe save you some of the embarrassment. Absolutely. We discuss all topics from the serious to the silly. Things like how to improve your resume and cover letter, advocating for yourself when talking to your doctor, what to expect when you're getting Botox, or how to wash your face at night. And we can help you participate in that water cooler chat about sports and world events. And if you're feeling like your life is a mess, don't worry. We can relate. Yeah, we're not afraid to tell you all the mortifying and hilarious things about our own lives, professionally or personally. We're shameless. We're rated G. We're slightly crazy. Come hang with us. It's the CK and GK podcast. New episodes drop every Tuesday, everywhere you listen. Have you laughed today? And we're back. We're back. So... Chris Rock uh, got an apology this week from Will Smith. He did. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith took to uh, his official Instagram to not only issue a formal apology to Chris Rock for slapping the shit out of him in the Os- at the Oscars, mm-hmm. um, he also took the time to answer... Uh, questions that were posed I'm assuming via social media to him right and questions questions like um, did Jada tell you to do it and what was the other one Uh, what would you say to your fans that looked up to you before you slapped Chris and who feel disappointed now and is the whole thing was about five minutes right and, you know, I felt like it was genuine. Of course. I did, too. There's cynical folks that they were like, oh, it's manufactured. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And why is he doing it now? First of all, he didn't have to do anything. Right. And I'm not, you know, coming to anyone's defense, but just straight up, he didn't have to do anything. And that felt genuine. He took his time to 
speak when he was ready. Um, he took full responsibility for what he did. As I believe he should. Right. Yeah. Like, I think he, he hit all the notes. You yeah. know, I believed he meant it when he said it. It didn't feel contrived. So it basically, oh, he, he reached out to Chris Rock and the message he got back was Chris ain't ready to talk about it yet. That's fair. Uh, even though Chris Rock did just make a joke and set one of his shows, he referred to uh, uh, the incident as being slapped by Suge Smith, reference to Suge Knight. Okay. Yes. Oh, what's that mean? Uh, Suge Knight was the 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 executive uh, producer of uh, Death Row Records, Dr. Dre and Tupac and all of them, and he was very notorious for um, using less than savory tactics to get his deals done, like hanging motherfuckers. I was going to say he's the one that hung <laughs> yes. by the ankles. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. Okay. So yeah. That. Got it. So, yeah. So, you know, it's still not completely resolved. I still really don't care. But yeah. I do feel like, you know, Will Smith did everything he could in, in in being honest with his apology. And they'll figure it out among the two of them like adults or they won't. Either way, we can move on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see what all the folks who defended violence in this situation, you know, think, I right. guess. Yeah. I, I don't know, I guess. Um, it always felt very wrong and very inappropriate. And, you know, I, I said all along, there was a lot of plausible, you know, I don't, did Chris Rock even know she had alopecia? I, I believe he has said, or his brothers have said, he didn't know that. Right. That was not a fact and evidence. So I think if that's true, then the whole thing is different. You know, even to the defenders, like, because the, there was this assumption, Chris Rock knows she has this condition and chose to mock her. Right. And I didn't feel like he was mocking her. I felt like he was calling her fierce because she was. Right. And, you know, uh, may it all resolve, but, you know, smacking anyone on the stage at the Oscars just. It's a little trifling. That, More than a little trifling. Yeah, that. So, yeah, we still don't know what was going through his mind when it happened. He, right. It was, very, it was, you know, I, admittedly out of character for him. Yeah. I, I mean, so, I. I think that this was appropriate. It felt genuine to me, and you know, it's moving on. I exactly. Mean, you know, there, there have been consequences. They were levied. I don't think those are going to change. Right. Um. You know, this could go on forever, but I, it's already gone on too long, as far as I'm concerned. Right. One multimillionaire hit another multimillionaire on a stage where they, you know. <laughs> honor one another like whatever and they're both gonna make money from the internet yeah they will everybody's gonna be okay right <laughs> moving on so beyonce's new album dropped renaissance you 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 have been more meh about this one than I've, i think i've ever seen you <laughs> you know all right i'm gonna go on record up top as saying i'm not being all like the album is shit and Beyonce ain't shit and it, I'm not doing any and any of that good because you know I've been an official like 
not afraid to say it fans since Lemonade. That was a work of art from top to bottom. You said that. Yes, you did. And so I keep coming back when a new album comes out looking for that. Okay. I haven't gotten it yet, but there have been things that have come out that I have thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, Break My Soul was a 15 minute thing. You really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's my feelings about it. So apparently it's come out that the album was a love letter to uh, her cousin, who she referred to as her uncle, who was uh, was gay. And so the entire album blends in classic house like jam. Mm-hmm. And the production is is stellar. Like, I'm, of course, you know she she got the best producers to to do this. And like, when I say like classic jams, Mike Q and 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 Kevin Aviance and shit I haven't heard since like I was sneaking out the house to dance in the Nile at three in the morning. Like when I heard mm-hmm. Miss Honey, Miss Honey, I was like, oh shit, right. <laughs> you know. And there are songs on there that I like. My whole thing is, she also said that this album was three years in the making and that it was about, you know, what was going through her mind during the pandemic. And she wanted to explore like freedom and like introspection and not being afraid to be imperfect. And she uses she's using all these house jams, but the album is still about I'm the fiercest bitch ever. Look at all the money I have. Shake your ass. Be a thought. Like, those are things that she's saying through the album. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you're having fun and whatever, but it's like a lot of that, if I'm recalling correctly, is not what the vibe of the music that you're sampling was about. Like, house music was about everybody getting together and having a good time and being happy. Mm-hmm doesn't matter if you're gay straight black white whatever we're all in this together so for you to take those beats and then talk about you know it how much money you're worth and how much better you are than the other hoes you know it's like it's just two things battling each other for me yeah you know what i mean like if she would have done that to some original music i'd have completely different thoughts okay so, yeah, so those are my feelings. I'm not saying I don't like the album. I'm just saying I was not, I was underwhelmed in my first listening. Now that I know what it is, I can go back and take it at face value and see if I feel different. Okay. But initially I was just like, oh, that's what we're doing. Oh, okay. Mm, yeah. All right. So, yeah, that's me. They all can't be gems. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're going to like some things less than some things more. Now, what I did do was yesterday I sat and made and listened to a playlist of all the old school house jams that were in the album, plus stuff that was around that time period. And that was fun for me. Okay. So, yeah, you know, and it, it can be confusing, you know, if we, you know, as we look back and we look presently whether it's music, whether it's movies, whether it's, and to, to sort of impose a different set of values, do you know? Right. 
Um, that's always an interesting conversation because, you know, you can, you can do it if you want to, but am I making sense with that? Yeah. And I recognize that my take on it could be a little get off my lawn. Well, that's, I mean, but that's okay. But, you know, I think it, it does matter like, okay, but this is actually what they were trying to do with an in-house music and that's not what you're doing. Right. It's, that's valid. And um, someone had said uh, in response to my initial criticism of the album that she was making making it unapologetically black. Okay. To which I said, house music didn't need her help for that. Okay. Did yeah. not need her help. Like, what's more unapologetically black than a big, tall, black femme queen with dayglow makeup on... <laughs> and a cutout jumper jumping up and down in the middle of a crowd going, Miss Honey. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'll give it another listen and see if my feelings change. Okay. <laughs> and that was my review. <laughs> there we go. Um, I finally finished watching this season of Stranger Things. Right. And it was very good. Uh, I also realized that this season was the queerest season ever. Really? Well. It's um, not something I have watched. Not something I probably ever will watch. No. I'm right, I'm right there. Right. Okay. But like there's several overlapping storylines. One of the, the characters will. It's been rather obvious even though it's been like subtly shown that will is gay will is just gay mm-hmm. um like the way he interacts with his best friend mike and like the way he's always having moments of like where we see him feeling very isolated and the fact that he's always fucking crying about something <laughs> <laughs> okay like will is 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 gay and like the actor did come out and say, yeah, he's definitely gay. Mm-hmm. And um, people are being like caught. They're, they're saying that Stranger Things is queer baiting. OK, why? Because of like hinting at him being gay, but not actually saying it. But then the show yeah. takes place in rural Indiana in the early to mid 80s. Ah, and these kids are We did a lot of guessing back in the eighties, children. Right. These kids just, just letting you know. Are newly teenagers. Right. They want going what how out do you want them to fucking They're, be? Yeah. Out was not the thing then it is now. Right. I'm just I'm here to say. So that wasn't gonna <clears> be a thing. Yeah. Class of eighty four. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh nobody was out in high school. Right. Most folks or the earliest folks were coming out that I knew, you know, around here where it was college. Right. You came out in college. Right. Or after co- a lot of people it was after college. Yeah, exactly. But it wasn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you were 16 or 17 or 18, <laughs> you were not out. Right. I'm not saying you weren't aware of who you were. Of course you were. And I'm not saying you weren't finding you know, friendships, but I am saying you weren't out. Well, one of the um, the older characters, uh, Steve, his friend, Robin, she came out to him 
mm-hmm. as as liking girls. And so, oh. like, that was a running theme in this season. Like, she, her crush, who we all think also likes her back, but neither one of them is actually saying anything because it's that whole thing. Right. Um, so that was a storyline. And then there was the character of Eddie who played a pivotal role this season. He was the the charismatic dungeon master in the the Hellfire Club, which was the Dungeons and Dragons Club. And he was just all charming and and adorable and and the way he looks at Steve throughout the season, I'm like, there's your gay relationship, except Steve is straight, so he ain't catching oh, it. See, yeah. <laughs> right. Been there. Yep. So that was one thing I enjoyed about the season. And also, this season sparked a, a conversation about music gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we talked about uh, Kate Bush is running up that hill, getting this massive resurgence in popularity because of the show. I did, yeah. And yeah. also, uh, in the last episode, um, Metallica's Master of Puppets played a big role. Mm-hmm. And all these people are now discovering Metallica and becoming big fans. Oh, girl. And yeah, fandoms, I mean, good, but right. yeah. Fandoms are toxic anyway, but like metal fandoms are can be ridiculous. They can. And they're really like, oh, now these people are, are becoming fans and, 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 and Metallica is becoming mainstream. 20 years ago, we had an argument about Metallica being mainstream. And now it's true. <laughs> Whatever. So what? Metallica came out and said, we're glad that all these new people are enjoying our music. Doesn't matter when you come along. Everybody had a ground zero. Why can't we all enjoy the music together? Calm down. (laughs) Right, right. I was not a metalhead, but I can say that I attracted more than one. Mm -hmm, I bet. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a part-time quasi-metalhead. Yeah, I'm not. But it's funny because like, I was never a huge Metallica fan, even though I like Metallica. And I was listening to my new music playlist and Master of Puppets came up and I was like, oh, shit, Metallica's got a new song. Oh, shit, this sounds like classic Metallica. And then I took a I was like, oh, wait, this is Master of Puppets. Let me look. Oh, this is off the Stranger Things soundtrack. OK, that makes sense. Right, right. right. <laughs> but yeah, I remember going to a metal festival um, with my friend Mike and we were going to see i was there to see disturbed because i love disturbed and i love david draymond anyway and i was there (laughs) and i had my disturbed t-shirt on and i this was up in scranton Mm -hmm. because you can't you can't say that without saying scranton (laughs) we were up there and one can but one doesn't need to (laughs) i was the only non-white person on the entire area well it's scranton right yeah and i heard a bunch of oh he ain't no fan he's not a fan i bet you he's not a fan i heard a lot of that when i went to uh to see um big frida oh they don't know who big frida is yeah yeah because you were very much i was uh, there with my friend joan yeah who was also caucasian yeah y'all were and we were kind of up near the front. Yeah. Like we had gotten there early. We can see y'all on the TV show. Both big. Fr- yeah. We Yes. There is an episode where we are visible. Y'all are easy to spot. In the audience. But there was <laughs> there was a lot of, they don't even know who Big Frida 
shoes. Right. <laughs> like we got free tickets and shit and just showed up or something from the, the old country buffet. Right. <laughs> was not at all what happened, but there there were accusations in the, among the audience. I'm I was sure. Like, I was like, oh, girl. Right. Whatever. So stop with the musical gatekeeping. We're all supposed to be fans together. Damn it. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, we were at Boots Boots and Saddle yes. on, on um, Broad Street. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, but it was a, it was a fun music venue, and that was a great concert. But yeah, I was the only. Uh, we were the not the only Caucasian people there, but there weren't a lot. Of us. You were the other ones. We were, we were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. And y'all were easy to spot on the show too, because it was like black people, black people, black people. Bam! There they are. There they are. <laughs> Very white. And you're rather tall, so it was like, true. Boop, yeah. there you are. Tall and white. <laughs> and and right there, yeah. Curiously near the front, being said. And y'all got your life at that show. Oh, it was a fantastic show. Fantastic show, and it, and it is one of those like smaller venues where you meet everyone mm-hmm. after the show and. Uh, Joan Joan brought brought Big Frida a uh, boa, nice in uh, Mardi Gras colors. Fabulous! Yeah, it was it was a fun fun thing. But y'all saw a lot of ass that day. We did. <laughs> we, we, there was a lot of a lot of twerking involved. Yes, yes, yes there was. And they're fantastic dancers. So yeah, good. They are. Yeah, it's a it's a really good show. I I happen to love bounce. I just good. Yeah. But, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So I, I'm sorry. There was, <laughs> there you were in Scranton, the only black person in. Oh no! Yeah, and I Scranton. And yeah, I like he's not a fan, and all I right. know is <laughs> that's what triggered me. Sorry, I didn't have a voice for three days after that show. Right, right. Of not being a fan. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. <sighs> Speaking of things that I am a fan of. Mm-hmm. The Drag Race uh, All Stars Seven finale happened. Speaking of things, I don't want. Yes. Spoiler alert! In three, two, one. So Jinx Monsoon is the queen of all queens. She won All Star Seven the winter season, and of course she did. But here's my thing. So they incorporated the element of the the lip sync Lala Perusa. Okay. At the end. What is that? So basically, uh, there's a big wheel and the queen's faces are on the wheel mm-hmm. and they spin the wheel and then whoever's face it lands on is the first person that has to lip sync and they get to pick who the next one is. Who they lip sync against. And so oh, okay. Yes. And then two of the pit crew come out and they one one of each and they each have a box and you pick a box and then that's the song that y'all are gonna lip sync to. Okay. And then whoever wins the lip sync moves on to the next round. So this is all not at all staged. It's all it's also very random. Well, ahead. see, here's Go the ahead. thing. I'm, Here, just, I'm, just, I, I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting there. There was a rumor going around. That, you know, it was already set that Jinx was going to win. Uh-huh. And be that as it may. I mean, Jinx is phenomenally talented. She won the show based on her performance on the show. Right. Like, that's undeniable. That's fair. 
What pissed me off was I saw the clip she showed me. By the way, she was very good. Yeah, she she she. They, 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 I mean, everybody was good. Right. There was there was no. That's the whole point of this particular. Right. This was season. the best season of Drag Race I have ever fucking seen in my entire life. There you go. It was so, from top to bottom. Everyone was amazing. Right. So the final lip sync is between. Um, Jinx Monsoon and Monet Exchange mm-hmm. to Swish Swish, which is why to Swish Swish right. got it. And Monet ate that lip sync. She wiped the floor with Jinx. Jinx did her own. Th- Actually, that's not even fair. Jinx did a good job, and she would might have won against anyone else. Okay. Monet Exchange won that motherfucking lip sync. Okay. Like not even close. J- but then after but it's that was over- not the only thing that decided the win well see here's the but, thing but they said jinx won it when it was over then rupaul says based on the lip sync and the performance all season long right the winner is jinx monsoon now had they said that before they lip synced that that was going to be the determining factor okay fine it looked to me like oh shit if we just judge on the lip sync, the person that we want to win isn't going to win. So let me throw this little caveat in so that they can win. Right. But did, wasn't it, didn't they accumulate, I don't know, stars or badges or brooches or some, here's where, something all through the Here's season? where production comes in into play again. Okay. So um, Monet had enough stars that it she was most likely going into the the finale. Okay. The very last challenge was a was the variety show challenge. And Shay was all upset cuz she only had one star. She got her first star the first episode and then not another one for the rest of the show. Right. All of a sudden this last challenge is worth 3 legendary legend stars. Okay. Thereby ensuring you know that she gets to be in the finale. Star Shay gets to be in the finale. Or Shay, yeah, gets to be in the finale. Trying to follow here, right? Okay. So it was like, okay, we need to continue our 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 little plan here. So let's make this worth three stars, so that everybody can be there. And we had our top four, and then the rest of them they had their own category of lip sync for the 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 crown of the queen who already done had herses, and Raja won that. My whole thing with Jinx's with Jinx's win. She could have won anyway. She deserved to win anyway, based on what she did on this show. Okay. Period. So when you have the lip sync that she didn't win, but she still won, it's like her win is tainted because she obviously didn't win the lip sync. So it's like, if it doesn't mean nothing, don't do it. You know what I mean? Either make it about your talent and the number of stars you have or don't. Like, okay, but did she have more stars after the lip sync than Monet exchanged? That's that was really my only question. Yeah, she was she won outright. But was it because of the lip sync, or she would have had more stars even if she lost? It? She would have won even if she the lip sync didn't happen. Okay, so, but were there points stars? No, awarded was, for the lip sync. No, RuPaul so it was did, just a time filler. Thank you. Okay. So, so and, that's, and you're upset why? I'm upset because Jinx, like, without argument, deserved to win the show. Okay. 
But because of this extra thing with the lip sync that she did not win, it's like now her win feels tainted because of production intervention that didn't need to happen. Uh huh. When like so this there's two conversations going on. Yay, Jinx won, or well, she ain't win that lip sync. You know what I mean? It's just like if the if production had kept their grubby mitts off of it and just let it go, she would have still won. Because okay, you can you can decide. I want this person to win. I want that person to win. They still have to like do well in the challenges and display their talent to a place where they win. So it's like if they're going to do that anyway. So you're upset at where the lip sync happened in the overall competition. I'm upset that it happened because it didn't mean anything, and now it's like there's this extra element attached to her win that didn't need to be there. Huh. Is it off your spirit yet? <laughs> it is. Well, see, here's the here's the thing. Because the lip sync Lala Perusa first happened in season nine with Shea Coulee and um, and uh, Sasha Valor. Shea Coulee had been was the front runner for the whole competition. Like uh-huh. she should have won, but because Sasha Valor did that trick with the the rose petals in the lip sync, Shea lost. Uh, okay. So her track record all through the season meant nothing really because at the last second you lost this one lip sync on the last episode boom now you lost and Shea Coulee lost yes she went on to win all stars which is why she was in the all winter season but okay it's just this production this extra production chicanery is getting on my nerves it's like is the show about talent or isn't it uh huh <laughs> I guess I'm laughing to myself because you really don't care. I, I'm I'm pretty sure my left eye is twitching. I'm pretty sure. All right. Well, anyway, congratulations to Jinx Monsoon for winning the the being the crown the the queen of all queens and to to Raja for being crowned the queen of she already done had hers is Monet you won the lip sync and and good on you and everyone's gonna go on and have fabulous continue to have a fabulous career okay okay end of spoiler alert for Drag Race okay moving on <laughs> I don't know where we're going but I'm grateful. <laughs> it's forward we watched uh, a couple of things together that was qu- very yes. quality television yes the, here's a palate cleanser we watched some smart television that I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed fuck you <laughs> one of them was Jeffrey Robinson's documentary Who We Are yes it should be required viewing yeah. it really should if you're human in America it should just be required viewing. Yeah. Um, Who We Are is basically a lecture given by uh, Jeffrey Robinson about race and racism in America and American history. Right. And it was masterfully done. It was. Um, there wasn't a lot of new information for me, but I did learn some stuff. And also, yeah, it was all pretty honest and straightforward and it was a live audience and uh, a pretty diverse audience. Mm-hmm. And he he covered everything. I mean, he covered 
Tulsa and and like all the the big controversial uh, subjects that we haven't talked about in recent American history because white folks don't look good. Um, <laughs> you kept saying he went there. He did. <laughs> oh, he went there. <laughs> you better you say all the that. things. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and he and he really did. And in, in uh, I I just I found it very compelling. It's certainly an argument for why this history is so important to be taught, not just in February, but all year long. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, Netflix, definitely time not wasted. Um, really, really good stuff, really interesting stuff. And he himself is a civil rights attorney, am I correct? I believe so, yes. I believe so. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was well done, um, and I I just think so important, you know, as we talk about queer history, not you know at potentially not being taught, and we we you know certainly Black history not being taught, right? Um, yeah, this is this is an important piece. This is an important piece, and you know I I remember so many people, you know, when you just talk about Tulsa, mad. They're yeah. mad because they were this many before they ever heard of Black Wall Street. Yeah. You know, that that uh, it's like, why did I not know that? Why did I not know about that as a child um, that this happened? I mean, I think you did, but I didn't. Right. I didn't. I was still an adult <laughs> when I first learned about it. So, okay. you know, I mean, I, I was an adult. Yeah. yeah, I was absolutely an adult. Um, and I said, wait, come again. Mm-hmm. Um read about it have seen documentaries it was then you know later in uh one of the tv shows watchmen watchmen yeah yeah watchmen and then uh, uh lovecraft country right and they both they both uh talked about uh that hideous poor point in our history that you know you really we all need to know about we yeah. all need to know about and um Speaking of people we all need to know about, um, yep. we interviewed uh, Nellie Fitzpatrick, uh, another civil rights attorney from Philadelphia. Yes. Um, Nellie and I have been friends. Well, the three of us have been friends for several years. And, um, you know, Nellie has been a huge advocate for trans rights. Yes. And Nellie mentioned Polly Murray. Um, who I know I had not heard of. Right. I, I had not heard their name either. And, uh, you know, Nellie put it in context. You went on to make a, a TikTok of, of that, that moment in, uh, in the interview that I think it's our most viewed TikTok ever. So far, yeah. Not that we have a lot of them because we're just, <laughs> we're just wading into TikTok-dom. Yes. But there will be more. Uh, yeah, there will be more. But Full circle the pot. But then we went on to find out uh, there is a documentary. Yes. My name is Polly Murray. Yes. And that is on, I want to say Amazon yes. video, right? Yes. Uh, really, really fascinating. We watched it straight through twice. We did. T- two times. Two times all the way through. Um, because you had missed just the very beginning. Yeah, I missed like the first 20 minutes because I was and so we just sat editing Nelly. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, I sat through it twice straight through fascinating fascinating human yeah uh who really who, who really should get the credit for inspiring Thurgood Marshall yes. and the way that he talked about civil rights yes and ultimately you know won 
battles. And uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg yes. does credit Polly Murray for a lot of her thinking. Yes. Um, where, you know, gender rights are concerned. So really, really interesting stuff that this brilliant lawyer lived and, and uh, the, you know, part of what was interesting about the story is Polly Murray probably would have identified either as non-binary or as a trans man. Yeah. Um, if the words really would have existed. Um, they died in, what, 1985? Yeah. And uh, I want to say was they were born in uh, 1910. Okay, um, I think that's right. 1910, died at the age of 74 in 1985. And there really was just never the language, but there is the you know um, documentation of them writing to various doctors, uh, you know, looking for hormone treatment, looking for a way to, you know, and, and quite eloquent about talking about their, their situation. Yeah. Um, and, and how, uh, you know, hormone therapy may have uh, helped ease a lot of the mental health issues that Polly Murray went through because of the dichotomy yeah. in gender. So really, really interesting, interesting stuff. Brilliant thinker. Um, way before there was Rosa Parks and way before there was Claudette Colvin, all yeah. the way back in 1940. Yes. Uh, you know, Polly Murray and a girlfriend were arrested for not moving to the back of the bus. Yep. Um Wherever they were sitting, the seat behind them where the bus driver told them to move was broken, and they said, we're not moving. Right. Uh, bus driver refused to move, called the police. They went to jail, you know, and that's all documented in that film. Um, there's a lot of information out there, and Polly Murray is another one of the people that we should all know about. Yeah. We should all understand how that brilliant mind shaped um, so much of of our understanding, our legal understanding of social justice. Yeah, that's one of those stories that I I was like, yeah, why don't I know this? Why don't I know? Yeah, and that that's what's so chilling about you know what's happening today in America uh, with Republicans on school boards and Republican state legislatures, right? You know, really trying to make sure uh, you know, and they've of course turned this kind of information their catchphrase which is wholly inaccurate, is uh, critical race theory. Right. This is critical race theory, and it can't be taught, shouldn't be taught. And like you keep pointing out, they're just afraid grandma is seen in some of these pictures screaming at a little black girl trying to go to school. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and the, other, the other documentary, I believe, was the one that panned out. It was just you saw a crowd of white people, but then it panned out, and you realized they were all attending a lynching. Yes, and they were all happy and smiling and shit. Yeah, it looked like a picnic, didn't it? Mm. It looked like a, a crowd scene from a picnic until they panned and you saw that this was a bunch of white people attending a lynching in the South. And it's, and you know, uh, yeah, that stuff happened. And, yep. you know, probably most of those people are dead, but they ain't been dead long. Right. And some of them, some of them, I'm sure, are still alive. Well, yeah, just because those photos are black and white doesn't mean this is ancient history. No, it does not. No, it does not. But it is important history. Yes. You know, it's so critical to moving to forward movement, to understanding how racism has underpinned what America is. Yep. And claims to be. Mm, mm, mm. 
like where was it it was someplace in i believe was it south carolina or virginia i forget now but um the town was literally built by slaves and their fingerprints were in the bricks around the town i want to say that particular segment was in south carolina yeah that was fascinating and chilling it was um kind of the way that slave labor intentionally would sort of sign their work yeah uh with their fingerprints in the in the brick or the concrete of uh the buildings they that you know they were they were they were building yeah the bricks they were making to build these buildings um and and that history is knowable if we want to know it right and that's the thing that that scares me about like critical race theory and all the book burnings and things like that it's not even that we're just trying to keep people from uh lesser known parts of history that we should know about but stuff that has already been taught we're trying to stop teaching we're trying to go even further backwards do you remember the kerfuffle that ensued when michelle obama obama simply said like look at my life was it her grandmother or great-grandmother that was a slave Mm. and she said and here am i the first lady of the united states living in a house Built by slaves. by slaves. And people had a problem with her saying that. people lost their damn minds. It's like she didn't tell a single, even she did part not of lie. a lie. She did not lie. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Why, why you gotta, why you gotta play the race card? Why you gotta bring that up? Well, because it happened. Yep. Because it's true. Slaves built it twice, actually. Exactly. And that's, you know, we do need to know that. We do need to reckon with that. And that's not... I don't know. <laughs> the argument that little white children shouldn't be made to feel bad is a ridiculous argument. It's a ridiculous argument. Right, because then you're raising... And a nobody new- said they did it, but they should know it. Right. They should know that it happened. They should know... they And, and part of the fun of all this <laughs> is so much of it is history repeating itself. Yep. Right? So what is knowable looks so much like what they're doing right now the racism in, involved, you know, intent on doing this kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not that long ago in the 1950s and 60s, these same arguments were being made quite heavily and quite often. And you don't want them to know that that's exactly what you're doing now. What was the quote that Jeffrey Robinson kept saying? He who controls the past controls the future. Yes. Yes, it's and it's true. Yeah. And it's true and they they do know that part. But shielding children from literal history is dangerous. Right. To a nation, it's dangerous. Germany doesn't shield today's German children from the horrors of the Holocaust. Exactly. They do not. They make sure they know that 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 history. Yep. That blood is seeped into our soil and we have to talk about it yep and you know the fact that we're still arguing whether or not we talk about it in the united states in 2022 is abysmal right because we already have a bunch of white people walking around who haven't 
had to really face any kind of adversity and are walking around entitled as fuck mm. and mediocre as fuck mm. and having everything handed to them and they don't understand consequences or the word no. You're trying to do that <laughs> right. multiplied by how many by not even teaching them what these people already were taught. You used to get so much more out of mediocrity than you can today. You know? It used to be it used to be worth so much more. Well, I was going to say this generation that's coming up now, one could argue is being raised by a generation that for in no small part failed upward kind of. Yeah, that's an interesting take on it. We have the ability to be so much smarter and wiser and kinder as a result. And, you know, the folks, the bullies, the absolute allegedly grown up schoolyard bullies that are trying to infiltrate education and the future with their nonsense and mishigas from the past. It's disturbing to watch. Right, because pretty much we live in an age where ignorance is a choice. I think so. I do. I think so. You know, and I I do understand how, you know, if you don't understand yourself enough to teach your children what are credible sources of information and what are not credible and incredible sources of information, there are some rabbit holes out there. I I see that. That's We've got this whole QAnon nonsense, but... You've also got a whole lot of balance telling you it's nonsense. Right. Telling you it is conspiracy theory to the nth degree. People just make this shit up and run with it. Um, it is absurd on its face. So, yeah, you have to. Ignorance is a choice. Ignorance is a choice. And uh, it's a choice way too many Republicans are making. Anything else? I think it's. I think that's plenty. I think that is plenty. I think it's time for a cocktail. Yeah. I may go back to my crocheting. (laughs) I love it. Maybe before the cocktail. I I just want to see what I retained. But I I was. I was sitting there on the couch for 15, 20 minutes today. And I was like, okay, I think I'm picking this up. It's hideous, but. It'll get better with practice. Picking up the stitches. Yeah, I don't know why. It's it's just, it's a thing my father could just sit and do. You know, it wasn't my mother. My mother was never. (laughs) My mother never did well, that. Well, he had a, a, a first day learning curve, too. I'm sure he did. So, yeah, you know. but, but back when he was a child, I, you know, it was a skill he picked up young. And But even if decades went by, when he picked it back up again, there he was. Muscle memory. He was very good. Yeah, yeah. he was very good. So, yeah, we'll try. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm looking I can, forward to it. I can always fall back to drinking. Uh, <laughs> I have multiple hobbies in mind. <laughs> All right, y'all. I am Martha Madrigal. And I am Charles Tyson Jr. And you've been listening to Full Circle, the, the podcast. podcast. Thank you. We appreciate you all. We do. Bye, everyone. Bye. Full Circle is a Never Scared Productions podcast. Hosted by Charles Tyson Jr. and Martha Madrigal. Produced and edited by Never Scurred. Executive produced by Charles Tyson Jr. and Martha Madrigal. Our theme and music is by the Jingle Berries. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders.